$83 million. $83 million. The deck was stacked before the trial even started against Trump. I mean, why even have a trial? Why even go through the formalities of a trial when we all know what you were going to do? The E. Jean Carroll situation. And, um, you know, Carroll originally came out with her story in 2019 detailing the alleged incident, claiming that Trump sexually assaulted her in a Bergdorf Goodman dressing room in the mid-1990s. Carol said Trump followed her to a fitting room at the store, shoved her against a wall, pulled down her tights, and, quote, forcing his fingers around her private area, thrust his penis halfway or completely, stating, I'm not certain, inside me. Well, she sure seems not to know a lot of uh, details. We see all of your calls from White Plains to Suffolk to New Jersey to Tampa, Florida. We're going to get to all of them. And if you're trying to reach me right now um, and you're having a hard time, just call back in a couple of minutes. Or you can send me a message on Twitter on X at Dominic TV. And so what I'm dealing with uh, this hour, this hour the topic as well. We're going to keep on the plate everything what you folks want to talk about, but also the topic of mental illness. And this story hit me hard because uh, the state government, full disclosure, in Jackson, Mississippi, the state of Mississippi, brought me in three or four times uh, to talk about, uh, in speeches, to talk about child abuse, signs of child abuse, foster care, overcoming obstacles, and this is Hines County, Mississippi. This is what happened. And and one thing that I enjoyed about Hines County, you can say whatever you want about Jackson, Mississippi being poor and so on. I remember, you know, being there several times and driving from Jackson uh, through the through the highways to uh, to New Orleans and having a great time and doing that back and forth a couple of times. But you, whatever you want to say about Jackson, Mississippi, one of the things that I admired is that at the airport in Jackson, they have a museum at the airport that is dedicated to civil rights, considering the long history as it relates to um, civil rights in the South. I, I just think it's commendable that there is a museum literally at the uh, airport. So I don't know if you've seen the video online. A woman in Hines County, Mississippi, took her baby to a Walmart wearing only a diaper and freezing temperatures. And the mother's name is Cambria Gabrielle Darby, 26. She's been charged with child neglect after police received a call to the store on January 17th and found the mother in the parking lot. Right. And um, her confrontation and rants inside the store, the video is disturbing. She compares herself to uh, Jesus Christ and um, she shows up to the store. The baby has on no clothes, nothing. I mean, a diaper, but that's it. No clothes. And it's freezing outside. And you see in the video where shoppers are livid talking to the woman, saying, what are you doing? And then you see where 
you see where some of the uh, other customers threaten to call the police and they purchase uh, clothing and and one woman, an elderly woman, walks up to the woman and puts the, the hoodie on the child. The child was literally shivering. And the mother happened to be in the aisle where the frozen foods are. So this baby's in there. She she comes out the house. It's freezing. The child has no clothes on. None, folks. And she's taking her time in the frozen food aisle. We know how cold it can get in a supermarket. And so thus uh, the police are called and the, uh, the mother was arrested. And, you know, it hit me hard because um, I thought about it. And I'm like, well, what's the point of having me come there and talk about child abuse and these things are still happening and to this type of level, to this type of level. And it, it, it's just horrendous and it really bothers me. And it took me back to what something we're going to get to your telephone calls. I see a lot of you want to talk about E. Jean Carroll. We'll get to it. And the situation with the uh, deceased, now the killed U.S. service members, we will get to it. But my day started out Sunday, as I mentioned, Curtis Lee was sent me an article. And, you know, sometimes he'll send me an article. Sometimes he'll send me something funny. And it was a New York Times article. And Curtis knows how um, how close mental illness is to me, uh, given my long history um, of of what happened to my mother. I've talked about it freely. It's the subject of my book that my mother was, I wasn't raised by my mother, that my mother was in uh, several of the psychiatric institutions from Georgia to New York, Pilgrim State here, Rockland State, Bellevue Hospital, on and on and on. She was a chronic paranoid schizophrenic. And the article that Curtis Lee was sent me this morning from the New York Times is titled The Man in Room 117. And I'm identifying him just as his first name, Andre. And it said Andre would rather live on the street than take his anti-psychotic medication. Should it be his decision to make? And so I looked at part of the article. And I promise we're about to get back to your calls. But it says that Andre stopped taking his anti-psychotic medications three years ago. And at that time, he was evicted, living in a tent, went to jail twice, and was committed to psychiatric hospitals three times. Stopped making his, uh, uh, taking his medication. Again, evicted, lived in a tent, went to jail twice, and was committed to psychiatric hospitals three times. And so uh, alone with his mother for the first time, this is according to the New York Times, in almost a year, Andre had a question, could he come home? And that broke my heart thinking about that. And she sat beside him and stroked his head. And according to the Times reporter, the hotel room had a sour smell and clothes were around in a corner. His fingernails were long and curved and ridged with dirt. And in jail, they cut his hair off, which had been matted and infested with lice. Nobody should live like that. So he was apparently clean shaven now and looked younger than his 31 years. And... um he apparently said that he likes living with his mother. She says, I like living with you. And again, uh, three years ago, when he stopped taking his antipsychotic medication, her son withdrew into delusions, erupting in unpredictable and menacing outbursts. 
and fearful of being evicted from their apartment, she and her husband, Sam, sought a no-contact order to keep Andre away. Now, think about that, folks. I receive a lot of emails from you folks about situations involving mental illness or mental illness of loved ones. It was so bad for this mother and father. They had to seek a no-contact order because they were afraid they were going to be put on the street. And since then, he's lived in a tent, wandering uh, uh, Vancouver, Washington, a place I've been, which is uh, very, very nice, in, in, ra- uh, in rags for clothing, carrying machetes for protection, been in jail, ranting in his cell about the CIA, three times confined to psychiatric hospitals where guards had to wrestle him so he could be injected with, uh, with his medication. And so now they were together in room 117 in a budget hotel overlooking the interstate. The county had allotted $8,400 to house him temporarily. And so before the money ran out, and I'm going to let you hear, I've told the story of um, uh, Stephanie uh, Marcasano's son. I'm going to let you hear a bit of that interview a bit later on. But the family had to make a choice, or Andre had to make a choice. Would he accept that he needed treatment as his parents hoped and move into a group home, or would he go back to living in a tent? Was there another way? The topic of mental illness is such a, um, a tough one to uh, deal with.